This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. Good evening, and thank you for coming. My name is Hugo Villar. I'm the Associate Dean for Professional and Continuing Education at UC San Diego Extension. We will be talking about transitioning with an engineering degree. How do you go from one industry to another with your engineering degree? To moderate the panel, we have today Matt Sanford. Matt is the Director of Economic Development for San Diego Regional Economic Development Corporation, a non-for-profit organization mobilizing business, government, and civic leaders to maximize the region's economic prosperity and global competitiveness. In this role, Matt oversees the economic development team, which supports business expansion, attraction, and retention in San Diego's key industries. So you can see that Matt is very much into the topic that we will be discussing this evening. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. So yeah, in that role, and uh, saying the economic development director at an economic development corporation is a, a bit repetitive, I think. Uh, but we work day in and day out with businesses, uh, large and small, throughout the region, uh, really focused on the innovation economy uh, to better understand the challenges that they're having uh, to operating here or potentially operating here uh, in the, the case of uh, attracting companies to the region. Uh, in doing so, uh, there are two critical things that always come up. One is access to capital, and I don't think anybody's a stranger to that. Uh, and the second, and oftentimes even more important than the capital, is talent. And it's at all levels. It's technical talent. It's managerial talent. Uh, but businesses need the right talent to thrive and to grow uh, and it's what we have in San Diego generally. Um, I mean, these gentlemen on stage here are, are case in point to that. Uh, however, there's never enough. There's enough to fill uh, the, the folks that are currently in jobs, but even with current demand, uh, there's always a need to have uh, more talent and uh, more importantly, talent that is uh, equipped with the right skill sets. Uh, and I heard a question in the last panel that talked about uh, you know, job titles and whether you're qualified or not. I know most employers that we talk to are really focused on skill sets. So that, you know, the more that you're able to articulate your skill sets, it makes you more adaptable across different industries. Um, one of the things and why I think this panel is so interesting for us is that uh, we also have some larger companies in town, uh, Qualcomm being an example, uh, that you know, people sometimes think, well, if I don't have a job at Qualcomm, well, then I don't really have a job in San Diego. And we want to change that perception. We want to show that there's a healthy ecosystem here uh, where people can uh, have some mobility between jobs and between careers. Uh, and it's important to us, it's actually important to Qualcomm as well to demonstrate that and to have that healthy flow of people uh, both able and actively moving around a little bit because it brings different perspectives uh, into, into companies that may not have been there uh, previously, and we want to make sure that we foster that type of interaction. So that's a, a, a quick explanation of why we focus on talent. Uh, now, in this panel, we're, we're talking about uh, changing careers, and uh, whether that's early in a career or mid-career, 
we have three great panelists to talk about very different perspectives in how career transformation has happened uh, in their unique instances, and then we'll, we'll dive into that. So I'm going to ask each of our panelists, and we'll, we'll go down the line here, to introduce themselves, uh, give a bit about uh, the role that you're in now, and um, when you're talking about a career transformation, what has that meant for you personally? Okay, um, Eric Vlut, I work for Cubic Transportation Systems here in Kearney Mesa, San Diego. My, uh, my background is, uh, is actually, I have an engineering degree, computer science in my case, and uh, I've had change sort of happen throughout my career, including my university career. Um, so I'll highlight them real quick, uh, just as, as, uh, as, as part of the introduction. So I chose to go um, uh, study applied ma- mathematics, that was a mistake. So that was, that was change one. I went into computer science. Then later on, and I went to school in Holland, in Amsterdam, and, and, and the system is a little bit different there, so we choose a specialization uh, towards the end of your studies. And uh, I sto- uh, chose business, which was another change, right? I was on a computer science track and sort of figured out that I didn't want to be a computer, uh, computer engineer. Uh, or software developer, or uh, whatever it might have been, uh, then rolled into an internship that got me familiar with product management. Um, uh, that was a change. I didn't see that coming. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't know what that was at the time. Uh, started out in consumer electronics in, uh, in product management, and um, uh, so that's sort of a B2C kind of, uh, kind of model, and then uh, did a startup. That was a change went back to consumer electronics, and then later changed to the financial technology industry, so accepting payments in retail and, and those kinds of things. Spent 12 years doing that. That's a B2B type business, still dealing with consumers and payment acceptance, credit cards, swiping debit, debit cards, entering your PIN, you know, those, those kinds of applications. Uh, and then two years ago, I decided uh, I got a call from a recruiter here to, for this job at Cubic, and that's more of a B2G, a business to government type, uh, uh, type role. Still in product, so the one constant in my professional life is product management, uh, but I've changed industries, I've changed roles, I've uh, changed into challenges that uh, have been uh, interesting and, and challenging. Uh, so uh, change has been a constant uh, throughout my career, and uh, hopefully we can uh, chat a bit about that. Watson. Hi, this is Watson. I'm right now the co-founder and uh, one of the engineers on at Ira. A um, little bit about me. I went to my grade school in Beijing, uh, went to an international school, and then my through Beijing, you know, I went I went through the Beijing 2008 Olympics, all the change there. Um, and then I came to UCSD in 2011 for my undergrad in electrical, um, and then that was a change through um, just geographically, uh, culturally, um, even mentally. Almost we could talk about that later. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so when I in my junior year of college, uh, before that we did a lot of internships uh, with software and chips, um, a lot of undergrad research involving hardware. Um, but the only it started in my junior to senior summer. Um, that's when the idea of Ira came along, and then I initially started off doing a lot of software development. We really had a need to push for POC um, at that moment. At the beginning of startups, all about POC, getting your first traction through the door, getting it to the, to investors, proving that you have a product that customers want. Um, after the first year or so, you're, as you grow the team. We luckily found our first seed investors, uh, made some, got some investor money, not made money. Um, and then that's when we started hiring our first few um, 
engineers. And that's when, as someone who's in the very beginning, you have perfect experience, perfect knowledge about the current technology that you've built, that you've worked with, um, how do you architect and start to distribute the work across many, many teams because, as you all know, like, if you want to go fast, you go by yourself. If you want to go far, you have to do it in a team. Um, now I'm slowly transitioning to a role of more managerial, so uh, software to architect to managerial. The reason for that is uh, we're hitting this, this sweet spot of we've, we went from six engineers to 20 engineers over two months. Um, how do you, when you're not in the chaos in a startup, there's always chaos everywhere you go, especially in startups. Um, when you hit that chaos, if you're not in the chaos, you are going to see chaos. And how do you manage that chaos? How do you manage um, the constant development speed across a PLC to production application? That's where I am right now. And Peter. Hi, I'm uh, Peter Chung. I'm a senior quality engineer at Nuvasive. Um, we're a medical devices company uh, specializing particularly in uh, technologies for spine surgery. And I specifically work on uh, software-related uh, products. Um, so how did I end up there? Um, well, I've meandered quite a bit through a variety of career, uh, I guess, uh, periods. Um, right after undergrad at Northwestern, um, I started off in medical devices um, in a cardiovascular field. Um, so worked as a quality engineer there for three years. Um, made a transition back to academia. Um, and that initially started off as a lab technician position at Caltech. That was supposed to go on for two years, but um, you know, as grants go, it didn't get renewed, and so they laid off about 20 lab techs um, right after about five months after I started. So at that point, it was kind of uh, suddenly I had to find a new plan, right? Um, and I, I think that's kind of you know just to digress a little. I think that's part of you know, uh, this whole career transition thing is um, sometimes it's out of your control, right? And, and sometimes you're trying to explore a path that'll work or that will uh, allow you to leverage a skill set that you have. Um, but I think part of it is, you know, you have to embrace that um, change. And so, you know, in that moment, I was like, well, I still want to be in academia, apply to grad schools. Um, in a very rushed way because uh, deadlines for applications had already passed for most places. Um, and then ultimately I ended up at UCSD uh, for a PhD program in nanoengineering, um, in particular focusing on 3D bioprinting. Um, in that process though, I um, realized that I was more interested in systems integration and actually developing the instrumentation that I was using for research. Um, and uh, developing software. And, and software's never been a formal, uh, any formal training or education that I've had, but has always been like a lifelong hobby. And, um, you know, as I was working towards that, um, I was also exploring other opportunities, kind of, you know, going into my PhD program, I knew that I wanted to end up in academia, or in industry, after I uh, got out. And so, um, with that, I kind of explored my options um, and luckily found a, a great position in Nuvasiv where it kind of melded my skill sets together. Um, and right now I'm actually concurrently enrolled. Um, so, you know, all but dissertation, as is um, you know, often the case. But um, I think, you know, 
a lot of this going back and forth, um, it, it helps build a lot of your experience, uh, experiences that are transferable. All right, thanks. And, and let's dig into that for just a second. Uh, and anybody can respond, but maybe we'll start with Peter. Uh, so you, you mentioned that you're not always preparing yourself for a career transaction, or sorry, uh, transition. Sometimes it's uh, something that just comes up quite suddenly. Uh, how do you either prepare for or react to, uh, or what advice, looking back, would you give to people that are either going to be thrust into a situation or maybe thinking proactively about that? Yeah. So I think um, you know your natural inclination is like panic, like what what do I do now? Um, and so I guess first, first step is kind of like, you know, gather yourself. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Plenty of people have been in this situation before. And it's kind of a good point where you can take inventory of what are your capabilities, what are your experiences, um, and think about how, you know, one thing you have to do or you're forced to do in that situation is to kind of broaden the scope of, you know, what, what may uh, match well for you as far as uh, your next career goes or your, your next step goes. Um, and so I think especially if you've been in a particular like narrow, narrowly focused field um, or if you've you know, mainly been in academia, it's um, kind of frightening to veer from that path. Right? And so I think part of it is just being open to opportunities. You don't necessarily have to feel like you you know, you have to know that this is what I'm going to commit to. Um, and I think being open to that exploration, uh, discovering how transferable your skill sets are, um, and, re and reaching out to other people, right? um, to connections you have in, in a variety of fields. That way you can get a sense of, you know, what type of talent people are looking for. Thanks. Either of you guys have any input yeah, on that? Yeah, so I think I could speak to that. Um, that constant put in the position because uh, the moment because I'm not a US, U.S. citizen the moment I got my UCSD offer letter offer is it offer letter it's not offer letter when I got my UCSD assessment letter thank you when I got my assessment letter it's that's where you start your F1 visa right that is so from the day you get your F1 visa to the day you graduate and plus 90 days if you don't find a job then you're going home right so. Since day one, you get to UCSD. It's all about how do I trick a big company into hiring me so that I could stay here. Um, so if I, so a lot of the work becomes: Do I double down on my credentials? Do I double down on my technical skills? Do I double down on my networking? But I think I would like to, yeah, double click on that open-mindedness. If you're open mind, if you're open-minded on what kind of work you're allowed or you're open to do, not just in the country that you want to work at, um, but also your home country, I think keeping both options open, keeping both channels live with your networking, I think that really helped me with my financial future and also my sanity, I think. Yeah, Yeah, I'll, I'll hook in on two, two points. Um, one is risk and the other one is passion, right? I, I, Every commencement speech ever given, uh, you know, always says, "Follow your passion, follow your passion." And I think that's true. I think you got to go do what you want to do because you'll be miserable in any job you don't enjoy. And the job you might not enjoy because of the work you do, the people you work with, the area you work in. 
um, you know, I, I probably didn't, wouldn't do well in a job I love in Anchorage, Alaska, right? So that, that, that's going to make a difference. Where do you want to be? Who do you want to work with? And what's the job you're going to be doing? Um, but also take some risk. You know, I think we overthink these transitions sometimes. Some people underthink them, admittedly, but some people overthink them as well. And, 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 and uh, you got to sort of think about what you have to lose, right, to go try something new or different for a couple of years. I mean, I think in the U.S. in particular, at, at most levels of jobs, you don't sign contracts, so it's at-will employment, so it's not like you're locked in. Uh, I think you have a moral obligation to the company you join who's investing in you to stick around long enough to contribute, which you know I would express in, in, in a handful of years. But that's kind of it. I mean, the risk is low enough that you can try new things and follow that and follow your passion, and there will always you will always need to consider where you are in your life and what risk is appropriate. If you're supporting 10 children, then maybe not. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're in the earlier stages of your career and you're interested and passionate about something, you have an opportunity, no matter where it is, as long as it's, you know, safe and interesting to you, uh, go try it. Don't, don't overthink transition too much because I can guarantee it will always lead to, well, not always, but it will often lead to places you didn't previously plan for um, so take the opportunity and try it. And, and I imagine that risk can somewhat be mitigated if you're both confident yet realistic in the skill sets that you have. So you know where you might be well suited to go or if you are passionate about a transition to something totally new, uh, you can at least begin to think about what steps you would need to take to get there. Um, on that a little bit, uh, in taking some of those steps, Watson, you mentioned uh, that there's a lot to a transition beyond just changing jobs. Uh, go into maybe a little bit about what that was like for you and, and how other people can think through more holistically uh, a transition like that. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing, um, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit, there'll be like a circle going on. Uh, the biggest thing that when a lot of people ask me is like, hey, you're a co-founder, you know, you just barely out of college, what does that mean? Um, and they ask me a lot of business questions and I'll be like, you should talk to my other co-founder with <laughs> tens of years of experience. And I think the biggest thing about that is just you, just because you have your title of co-founder, just that it doesn't necessarily mean you automatically have the skill set of someone who's like sitting next to you, Eric, with like tens of years of experience. Um, but what that mindset that you really have to know is, for that really worked for me at Ira was um, what I could contribute with my current skill set that no one else can contribute at the moment. So with me and our three other co-founders, my biggest asset was time. I thankfully don't have 10 kids um, yet. yet. We could talk about that after this. Um, uh, I, could, I could definitely put time and I could, and I'm really fast reader. So I could read all the technical docs that you want, RFCs, um, and then I could crank out the prototype overnight. So if that's my asset, how do I take that work away from the people, from my co-founders, which are skilled in business, skilled in product development, um, let them do what they're best at so I could do what I'm best at? Um, if that answers the question. No, that's great, yeah. Uh, so shifting gears just a little bit, um, I want to start with Eric this time, uh, since you've had a, a few transitions in there and a, a few uh, either potential or realized career paths. 
Um, so obviously a lot of resources in play there, uh, whether it's uh, academic and, and retooling skill sets or uh, perhaps just learning on the job. Uh, what resources, um, looking back, were available to you or, uh, or maybe that you would recommend that others uh, seek out if they're thinking about this, uh, whether it be a total career transition or just moving up in a company? Well, that's a that's a tough one. So I'll speak to my own experience first. That the if you hadn't figured it out, the common thread throughout my tens thank you for dating me tens of years of experience sixty seventy whatever it is um, uh, is 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 product development product management. So that's been the transferable skill, at least the one that shows up on a resume and then a soft skills and stuff like that. Um, I've had to learn on the job. There really wasn't a, uh, uh, I had to learn what product management was out of college, and uh, so to figure that out over time. Um, and uh, at, at the time, I had to learn about uh, communication technology. I won't get into the details of the products, but into com- communication technology, what consumer marketing looked like. Um, uh, then later, I had to figure out how the payments industry works and you know I might have gone to a boot camp read a book or two talked to a bunch of folks but you, you kind of have to be dynamic enough to figure that out on the job because once you have the job then you still have all this stuff to learn you don't learn it apply for the job and then you hit the ground running on day one that's not always how it works right uh, so so uh, making sure you're properly prepared for uh, at least at the interview level for a, tra- a transition like that making sure that you identify uh, sources of information, whether those are paid boot camps or conferences or seminars or online reading, book reading, whatever, whatever it might be, and then keeping up with a given industry. And that's where that passion comes in because you will fail trying to get into something new that you don't care about, right? I mean, nobody uh, is, is, is good at that. If you find something you can find a, a passion angle on, uh, you're going to be okay because you're going to want to learn about it uh, during work hours, after work hours, so on and so forth. Uh, and then I did it again with transportation. I knew very little or nothing other than growing up in Europe where, you know, I took a bus every day. Uh, no one knew very little, which we don't do here, uh, it seems. Um, uh, but uh, I know very li- knew very little about transportation, so I had to learn that too, and I'm still learning. So I think you identify your career path, your common uh, transferable skill, and you hook everything else off of that. How do you brand yourself as being ready to be able to move into another field or a new job uh, that quickly? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, luckily, I've had some experience now dealing with that uh, situation. Um, you know, I think one thing that if, if you haven't gone through, you know, this whole process very much of, like, searching for a job in industry or if, if you've been kind of uh, in a very... Um, you know, uh, uh, linear path through academia or what have you. Um, it's hard to get a sense of, um, you know, what do I bring to the table for anyone? Um, how do I go about knowing if a position makes sense to me, right? Um, and I think this question was brought up earlier about, well, you know, you have these postings that say five to ten years of experience necessary. And really, you know, it may be specific, it may say something specific to that field, but in reality, you know, just as Eric mentioned, you, you don't know pretty much 90% of what you're doing at, at your job until you get there, right? I mean, literally, I've been, you know, I've been at Nuvasa for a year, literally every day, I'm constantly learning something, 
a lot of times learning what I didn't do right. Um, but you know, a lot of it is you know, when we talk about five to ten years of experience or something like that. It's really about experience solving problems, experience using an analytical skill set, and you know, I think anyone here, right? You've been you've been through you know very complex projects. You've dealt with um, you know teams, and you've been in uh, working on things that require a lot of intense focus and dedication, and um, you know, carefully planning out um, whatever you're doing. And I think that's what's essential. That's how you brand yourself. Is like you're able to you bring that experience to the table, and the context is kind of you know, that's just the outer shell. You don't really, you can apply that to a variety of fields. And that's a great thing about engineering in general, right? You develop an engineering skill set, and whatever field you pick, it's all applicable. And I think that's, you know, that's the thing you learn in undergrad as an engineer. At least that was highly stressed for us, is, you know, all these, throughout all these fields, the way you approach problems, it's very similar. And so I think that's the thing to focus on. That's the thing that you can brand um, about yourself um, when, when you're looking at a variety of options. So, uh, Watson, uh, to you, Ira is a relatively small company, although growing quickly. Uh, and so it's not necessarily a career transition uh, from company to company. But even in a smaller company, you're finding a path through to change that. Uh, and it may be a little different since you're one of the founders. Uh, but how do you position yourself to really take on new roles within a company and demonstrate new value to folks you've been working with for years, uh, not just moving companies, but uh, you know, increasing your value within the company? Yeah, so the question I always ask myself is, if I'm not doing this, who could do this? So in the very beginning of the stages, recruiting, right, you're not going to spend your investor dollars on an HR that's just, is, you, you could contract it out, but you're not gonna go out, reach out to UCSD, find your engineers, find your sales, find your agents. Um, so I was looking around the room. Before it wasn't too hard. It's only four of us. Um, if my co-founders are not actively looking for engineers, it's up to me to see what resources I have as a UCSD graduate. Um, where, what resources can I have to find the engineers and the resources that I need to push the product? So uh, a happy Watson at the end of the day would be like if there's a problem towards the day, in the day, and I was able to solve it through some means, that is a happy Watson uh, at the end of the day. So whether this be an engineering issue, be a hiring issue, be a uh, business issue, um, that's how I would approach it. Um, I think I'm trying to find an example. Um, I think over the course of probably six months, I've looked at over like 400, 500 applicants for interviews. Um, and this, in the beginning, it was, it was pure. In, in the beginning, it was not just engineering. You know, you're interviewing sales, you're interviewing your first VP of sales. Um, all those come together. Um, and as long as they can help you solve an individual problem better than me, um, is usually my benchmark not too high, um, then that's when I know like, we're, the company, as a company we're heading towards the right direction. Okay. Any other thoughts of moving within a company? All right, so the last question that I have, and then I, I want to open it up to the, the audience here, is I mean, 
hopefully everybody's here uh, listening to this panel because there's at least something maybe in the back of their mind or, or currently uh, where they're thinking about uh, some sort of career transition. Uh, what advice or encouragement would you give uh, to folks? Uh, I think the risk uh, in addressing that up front is, is an interesting one. Uh, what else is there that uh, people can leave here thinking, oh, that, that's something I can take home with me? So, I mean, yeah, we've, we've stressed this point of being open-minded and exploring options. Um, so I don't want to necessarily belabor that point. Um, you know, I, I think part of it is also if you have an alumni network, if you, um, you know, when I was exploring options as I was going towards the end of my PhD program, um, there were great opportunities, I mean, similar to this one, right? So you're doing well by just even being here at this event, but... Um, there were other workshops and, and act, you know, ways for uh, people to, you know, meet people who are in similar situations, right? And, you know, you do activities or workshops or um, um, just ways to do an inventory of your abilities, of your true interests. And I think, you know, finding tools like that as well, um, it's important so that you don't feel like you're dealing with this, you know, all on your own. You can relate to others who are having this experience and allow yourself to branch out and find new opportunities even through that mechanism. Um, so I think look at all the other resources you have around you as well. So you know, look at all your other networks, your connections, alumni, past jobs you've had, um, of course. So I think that's what I would advise. Yeah, so um, I think... From, I've been in San Diego about seven years, uh, including my undergrad. So not including undergrad, probably like actual work, work, probably three, four years. Um, and I, one thing I realized is that I feel like San Diego is very small um, in terms of the tech community. One thing I noticed is that I, I could always rely on referrals. So one thing that, um, that really worked for me was reaching out to my network, um, Facebook, groups, UCSD groups, um, there's always someone that knows someone else. And then when it comes to the work part, uh, one of my uh, director of sales, uh, she was a recruiter at San Diego Startup Week, too. Um, and she was always, if she didn't know the person, she always knew a referral or recruiter who knew the person as well. So I think one thing that really helped with the transition, and I've interviewed many people in the mid middle of a transitioning to and from San Diego, within San Diego, is that Try very hard not to burn those bridges. Um, those bridges are the ones that give you the referrals. They're the bridges that help you find your next job. Um, and I guess the takeaway is San Diego's a lot smaller than I thought it was. In a good way, of course. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Be nice to people. I think is the yeah. <laughs> be polite. No, uh, you know the the passion and risk comments stand. Stand. I'll I'll add one more thing, which which is more tactical. If you and I was talking, I won't call the person out, but as somebody I walked in on a conversation earlier before the session, talking somebody that's an engineer and looking to uh, was looking in, into product roles or perhaps out of fields. You don't have to go directly into it, right? If you're a double E or you're a software developer, you can find the company you eventually want to work uh, for. Take a role that's a lateral move for you. Get into that company. Be, be honest about it. Say, yeah, I want to be, uh, you know, in, in, uh, I want to be double E for a couple more years. 
uh, or a mechanical engineer for a couple more years, want to contribute that way, want to learn the company and learn the business a bit, um, but then I have some career aspirations into HR, product management, whatever it might be, right? Uh, have the conversation at that company about about how, how did I feel about retraining, about having you do a rotation program, etc. So don't take the opportunities, weigh the risk, find your passion, but also have a strategy. It doesn't have to happen this month. It can happen two years from now, and particularly if you're early in your career, that's completely fine. So strategizing a bit about that is not, is not a bad thing. I think that's a, a great point. Uh, even if you're not changing companies, you know, let your supervisor know if you have aspirations to do something differently uh, or something different. Uh, hopefully they're there and supportive of that. And if you are still passionate about the company's work but want to find a new place within it, uh, you're still providing value to that company. So hopefully uh, they'll see that as an asset. And to your point, uh, you know, don't say that you want to do it tomorrow, but uh, you know, put yourself on a, on a path that way. I do want to open it up to uh, any questions from our audience. So if I'm hearing you correctly, uh, how do you uh, transform uh, what may have been an interest or a hobby into demonstrating that you actually have a skill set needed for a position? Yeah, so you have to you know, make sure I didn't trick my manager who's in the audience into thinking I have skills that I don't. Um, you know, so I, I think for me, um, I, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have software uh, you know, development and, and, and programming kind of be a hobby or be something that's always been augmenting um, you know, my main, perhaps formal focus. Um, I think in terms of you know, being sure that I had the relevant skills to a sufficient degree, I think a lot of it was just you know, creating a, a product on my own. You know, and, and in the lab environment, I had the luckily the freedom to do that, to you know, do full stack development for this um, you know, integrated system. Um, that being said, I, there wasn't necessarily a lot of, um, I guess, per se, con- convincing that I had to do with regard to the skill set. Um, you know, to, to, a degree, to a degree, you let your resume uh, speak to that. But what's important is, you know, sp- speaking of resumes, is catering your resume to you know the position you're applying for, right? Um, having blanket resumes don't necessarily help um, kind of brand yourself to that position. At the same time, also, um, don't be afraid to apply to something. I guess you know don't don't automatically lock yourself out of a certain role. And so, because um, you know when your application goes in, you may apply for a position in a certain department, but um, in fact. Even in my situation, originally, I think the posting I kind of responded to was for a validation engineer, a invasive. Um, HR saw my you know resume, my background, um, and they actually were concurrently looking for you know someone with quality engineering experience for a quality engineering position. Um, and on top of that, initially I was I think targeted for a 3D printing related project, but based on skill sets they were like, no, actually, this position makes more sense. So, you know, moral of the story, don't prematurely, you know, just filter yourself out of certain roles. If, if they're tangentially related to your skill sets or, you know, in some way related to your, um, you know, broadly your area of focus or, or passion, then just go for it. You know, worst thing that can, have you, you know, that can happen is they say no, but don't tell yourself no in advance. All right, so again, just to repeat, uh, so 
in your management role now, uh, did you have formal training to get there? If so, do you think that that helped you? Or uh, to Eric's point from earlier, is it a lot of on-the-job uh, learning the culture of a company and, and taking it from there? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely a mix of both, I think, in this situation. Um, it's, the training, to me, comes from good mentorship. Um, I think a lot of what I know now and a lot of feeling through is because I had really strong teammates um, with years of experience in industry, not just in managerial, but also as a leader um, in technical skills or anything like that. Um, a lot of times, I think I could, I could probably speak to one, one managerial um, stuff I'm going through now. It's like one, one issue I have is one, one of my, um, I guess, like I, with the people I work with is like how do I convey all the craziness things, right, going on like as a manager um, with a lot, of, a lot of greater, higher visibility of what's going on around them for one of the engineers who just focused on this one specific burning problem. How do you convey to them your brain dump of you're not, you know, this is what's going on, this is what you're solving. Um, I think what really helped was talking through with my mentors of like how they deal with it. And also, I put myself, like it's not too hard for me to put myself into their shoes because I was literally them like a few months ago. Um, and just what kind of things that I want to hear. And the, I think the key highlights that what I wanted to hear was um, where my work is impacting the company. So whether we use collaborative tools like Jira, like every single Jira ticket that we build ties back to a company goal, whether it's through Epics. And I think once they saw that their work has a direct impact to, to customer satisfaction and consumer revenue as a company goal, then it clicks. And they're, not just their work is better, but the understanding of the work and how to make even better stuff really helped. Um, I'll answer the question too, but before I do that, you just reminded me of something as far as actionable advice. Get a mentor. Uh, we didn't talk about that. I don't think the previous group talked about it. It uh, doesn't have to be the company you work for. It can be anywhere. Anybody trusted for advice, career advice. I know it's not easy, but you can do it. Um, I have a mentor um, that works in a different division of, of the company I work for. I have sort of people I go to for advice that wouldn't call themselves mentors, but that I can call up and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? In the career transition, having a mentor that you can get some advice from is a really good idea. So if you, that doesn't have to happen tomorrow either, but if you see opportunities throughout the next five, ten years and you don't have a mentor, um, ask somebody, can I buy you lunch every six weeks so I can ask you questions. Can I text you once in a while if I have a conundrum at work that I need some feedback on? Um, that's really helpful. Anyway, to, to answer your question, um, no, I rolled into it. I, I absolutely rolled into it. I, I actually had to think a minute as to when was the first time I had somebody work for me. And it was my first, uh, it was the tail end of my first job, um, which you may recall is tens of years ago um, from earlier. Um, the, it was the late 90s, and uh, we were, long story short, we, we, had, we had an opportunity where there was a few of us left, and so nobody was there to manage the team, and I just went to uh, the big boss at the time and said, I'd love the opportunity to manage this team. It's three people, by the way, so it's not, you know, nothing too exciting. Um, and that's how I just learned, and I fell down 15 times, got back up, learned some stuff, learned some more later, 
et cetera, et cetera. So I never actually went to like a management course. I'm not saying you shouldn't, by the way, um, but I always wanted to do that. I always felt like I could get more done if I was able to achieve more as a team than achieve by myself, obviously. Um, I was always excited about that, but I never went uh, through formal training, and I, I did okay with it. Uh, probably could have done better if I had done some formal training, but it's a little, a little too late now. I think you bring up another great point in there, and we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but with that transparency with your supervisor, I know I've had team members that have said, hey, I'm very interested in learning how to uh, manage other people and have some direct reports, and that allows me to uh, understand what their goals are and think through, okay, is this person prepared? And if not, what am I seeing that they need to be working on? And I can have that conversation. Um, in hopefully most, if not all, supportive working environments, uh, that'll be the case. Um, you know, it's, I know not every job and or career allows for that. Um, but if that's important to you and you want to know that skill set, make it known. Um, it's very hard for somebody to guess what it is that you're hoping to get out of a job or out of a career. Uh, but if you are able to have those transparent and open conversations, um, you know, it may not, you may not always get what you want, um, but you can at least put it out there that that's what you're looking for. I think we'll all stick around for uh, another few minutes. So if you have any one-on-one uh, -on -one questions, feel free to come up and ask. Thanks. Thank you.